We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Every night, I dream the same dream. Nightmare begins. I did what I had to do to protect our world. You cannot control everything, Strange. You opened the doorway between universes, and we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda. What do you know about the multiverse? Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous. He was right. I'm sorry, Stephen. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. We should tell him the truth. Things just got out of hand. You break the rules. Look out! Become a hero. I do it, I become the enemy. For this bonus episode, we are here to talk about the second Doctor Strange movie, the fifth Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 movie, the 28th overall Marvel Cinematic Universe 
movie, the sixth movie for Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. The Scarlet Witch, and the latest installment into the uh, Disney takeover of the content world, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And it is no mistake that if you just go with abbreviations, it's Doctor Strange and the mom. Okay. Um, This movie is uh, directed by Sam Raimi, who is best known for either the Evil Dead franchise or the Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. It is his first directorial uh, output since uh, 2012, 2013, around there. Forget the exact... Whenever Oz came out, which was quite bad. Correct. Um, He uh, took over the film um, from Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange 1. That may come up in our conversation today. Uh, this is starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Soshi Gomez, Michael Stuhlbarg, and Rachel McAdams. That is all I'm going to say in the non-spoiler section. I actually do think it is important to also note it is written by Michael Waldron, who also is responsible for writing Loki, the Disney Plus TV show that was very critically acclaimed. Um I don't even know if like a plot synopsis of this necessarily matters, but Dr. Strange is back after the events of Spider-Man No Way Home most recently uh, is met by a new character named America Chavez, who has the ability to jump multiverses and or multiversally travel. Um, And then it turns out that she is being hunted by somebody that we all know. And that is all again, I will say for the sake of non spoilers and the multiverse of madness uh, ensues. Oz, um, first, let me ask you, um, are you happy in this universe? Are, are you happy? Oz? Uh, ask, ask me at any different day and you may get a different answer. But okay. I, I, I am, I'm over, uh, overall, I'm pretty happy. Good. I think in this current universe, I am, I am happy as well. Um, is this also going to be our new thing that our bonus pods are going to be all about multiverse movies? Because the last time we <laughs> gathered together was to talk about everything everywhere all at once. And here we are again. Uh, does Top Gun have a multiverse? Oh, is, is Goose listen, alive in the Top Gun multiverse? Listen, if it does, automatically re-redoing my rankings to make it number one. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. So Doctor Strange, the latest MCU movie, this is obviously a gigantic movie. It's going to, if it hasn't already done tremendously at the box office, it's going to be the latest Disney MCU hit. Um, Top 10 all-time I, opening weekend, it looks wow, like. Jeez, they, yeah. Um, it's become a somewhat polarizing too, which I'm sure will be part of our conversation, but I want to, I want to start where we usually do as, and it's just initial thoughts, initial reactions to the movie we saw, not necessarily like our expectations for what it could have been or the reaction to it. Your first thoughts or your general feelings and thoughts as you were walking out of the theater of seeing Dr. Strange too. I went with my kid and my kid is four. And I asked my kid as we were walking out of the theater, did you like it? And he said, I loved it so much. And you know what? That That's going to color my opinion here. What, what I appreciated about it, and I know we'll, we'll get into the broader conversation about this film in a moment, but what I appreciated about it is that as someone who actually read comic books as a kid and as someone who has a little kid who 
sure likes to, he's not quite reading yet. He's four, but sure likes to page through the comic books and then come ask me questions and then work on figuring out the words. Um, it felt like an actual comic book story in a way that no other MCU movie has, because most comic book stories are, you know, short little arcs, one-offs or two, three issue things where, you know, Dr. Strange goes on an adventure through a multiverse and largely spends an issue or two in one little multiverse and then makes his way back and then defeats the bad guy. And then we're back to sort of status quo. And that's really what happens here. And I think the fact that the MCU is really just a giant TV show that you have to spend, you know, your $15 to go see three or four times a year in a movie theater is catching up with people a little bit because it does feel a little like, I don't know, filler or a little irrelevant. And I think that's great because I think it's, it's nice. That's how comic book stories are. Not everything needs to be end game where like 50,000 things are, are all brought to a head and everything else. I kind of like the disposability of this movie and I, I just found it to be a, a pleasant hang. what do you think? Um, so almost identical to what you're saying in that the, the pointlessness of it and the, um, the, thro- the, the filler nature of all of this. And I think the next question I have is going to be about, about unmet or, um, unmatched expectations and whether like that matters or not. Um, but there was a feeling of, was that it that I had walking out um, while recognizing all the different hats that this movie has to wear, whether where it's like a Doctor Strange sequel. It's also like the continuation of the most recent chapter of the MCU. It's also like you throwing in the shows. It's the sequel to WandaVision. Um, it's Sam Raimi's movie. It's like marketed as a horror movie. Kids are like, there are parents asking film critics, can I take my kids to this? Obviously Oz took his Yes, you can. It's fine. Um, Oz can take his kids to this. I gotta be honest with the fiance that just like doesn't do horror. I knew there are like a couple scenes that you're going to be terrified by. And when I also saw it with her, it was, it was confirmed. She is not a horror movie fan. Um, so like there's, there's all of these different things at play. And I've, I don't even think I've told you this. I've seen the movie three times. Um, wow. I, saw it, I, I knew you'd I, seen it twice. I didn't know you were up to three. Well, so enough people want to see it with me in my life that don't live near me. So I saw it in the city at one of the opening shows. And then I went back to Long Island to see it with my brother. And then I came out here to see it with Ro and her sister. And I, I'm at the point where anybody that says this movie is incoherent I can tell you after three watches, it makes sense. All of the moves and actions and character motivations, like they're justified in the writing that has been criticized over the past couple of days, whether it is marketed a little as more as like the, this is the thing that's going to lead us to the next thing in the MCU. I mean, the, the, the question I have for you Oz, is like, is that on us if we had expectations that this was going to explore the multiverse and that characters potentially could show up or storylines could be explored and they aren't? And like, because we had unmet expectations, is that on us or is that also like kind of on Disney that you're like putting people in your trailers and marketing and like Brian Michael Bendis is tweeting out pictures? You know, like, did they not also build up the hype and create those expectations? 
So I think it's a really complicated question because Marvel created this beast. It it is I I, I want to pretend that you can blame somebody else, but so much of the way Hollywood is structured today comes from Samuel L. Jackson showing up in Nick Fury's living room at the end of Iron Man and what that created amidst fan culture. And they've been rewarded for leaning into that. Oh my God, who's going to be an end game? We're bringing mm-hmm. every single person together. Oh my God, are, are Andrew and Toby in No Way Home? They've been consistently rewarded. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when a throwaway reference to Doctor Strange from that doofus guy who gets thrown into a truck in Winter Soldier, it was like a big moment of fan service. And now it's like, oh my God, we only had seven cameos in this movie. So it's the end of days. They've disappointed us. I think people are a little broken. I I think that fans are a little broken and don't understand how to process movies or shows anymore for what they are. I'll save it for the spoiler part, I guess, some of it. But have you watched Moon Knight? Yes, all of it. I will not spoil Moon Knight, but I think it's I think it's germane to this conversation, which is that a lot of people are complaining that Moon Knight doesn't have like, I don't know, Christian Bale doesn't show up in the last episode to butcher some gods like he's going to do in Thor. And I just don't understand. Like my brain can't get there anymore with what people want, because as far as I'm concerned, I have some quibbles with Moon Knight, but Moon Knight told a cohesive, complete character story about someone grappling with generational trauma. And I know that that's not, say, the typical fodder of watching, you know, a a white cloaked suit guy cave people's skulls in, but it was good and it was well acted. And there were themes and through lines and ideas that were pursued in that show. And people seem not to like it because it was like not enough face punching and not enough cameos what what the fuck like we don't we don't need cameos to 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 get joy out of these things and this movie in particular there's a real problem and i'm i'm part of it too because i've made a glib aside or two about what's what's coming in this one in our past conversations and they let a lot leak and there's a lot of stuff that was filmed for this movie that's not in it because they made an edit that was better for the movie instead of other stuff that was perhaps filmed here and i i just I'm just lost. Like I'm lost is the only joy that people are getting from these movies. The idea that like, I don't know, Miles Morales is going to be referenced or something. Like I, I, I'm just kind of lost at what, at what people want. They gave us a, a, and there's a marketing issue and there's kind of like the Grace Randolph of it all. Who who's, you know, to pick one example of someone who's out like tweeting quasi spoilers Mm -hmm. and sharing like, Oh my God, you're never going to believe it. Like Tom Cruise is playing Iron Man in this movie. And like, that's not true. Um, but that stuff sort of like filters into the fan base and then people just become disappointed, I guess, if like a rumor that was never confirmed or spoken about by Feige or Raimi is not in the movie. We're just we're just we're just so dumb. I don't I don't even well, know. How to... um, so so I, I'm not defending us as a, as a movie going society, because I think you've this is a point that you make a lot that what the MCU has created with us and our expectations for what's next and who's going to be making the next cameo. Um, and like, my question is less about whether we're broken or not. Cause I think we've all but confirmed that or like, just look at the box office differences in what like 
we we talked about last year with some of our favorite movies as compared to what like the least version of the MCU will put out, you know? And I guess my question is more did they break us? Is like is is it their fault that like did they create these expectations, you know, which is why I'm back and forth on the fact that I walk away from this movie and it's like a fine sequel to Doctor Strange. And like I rewatched Doctor Strange before I went in. I watched the last couple episodes of uh, I watched the, I rewatched Doctor Strange episode of What If and the last couple episodes of WandaVision after seeing it the first time and then before the other double feature. And like there are breadcrumbs leading up to this that the overall story is coherent, but the fact that we have a multiverse movie that doesn't really explore the multiverse and really like sticks to a couple places, but it's fine. Like it's not bad. It's fine. Is that on us that we were expecting, like you said, Tom Cruise as Iron Man to show up in one scene or potentially somebody else or like this Disney allowing those leaks to get out or putting something in the marketing? Is that creating the expectations that you really can't blame people for being disappointed. Which I, I guess is just my only my as far as that is the reaction that I've seen is concerned. That's my really only question about it. You know, whose fault is it? I think that there's something to be said for and it's in the trailer. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm going to say it now. If you mm-hmm. are very scared of spoilers, just I don't know, fast forward five minutes. Putting Patrick Stewart in the trailer. In the Super Bowl trailer, no less. So yeah. in the place where you're going to get the single most engagement with the people who might not otherwise engage with this sort of content is a choice that has clearly consequences in the expectations people have for a movie. And I, I understand why people say, oh, my God, you put Patrick Stewart in this. How do you not have like 17 things that are more epic than Patrick Stewart being in this movie? I get where they're coming from. I also have no interest whatsoever in watching a movie that's like 10 different seven minute vignettes of Dr. Strange and America Chavez visiting this universe and visiting this universe and visiting this universe and like a bunch of actors we like popping their heads up for six seconds and then fucking off again. I, I don't want to watch that. That's not a that's not a story. That's that's like a YouTube clip. And I I, mm. I okay. think I think that. Endgame, which has a structure like that, works because it dials in on the core Avengers plus like Rocket, and it it tightens the story around these relationships that we've built for, what, 23 movies or something at that point. This one, if you're just throwing these multiverse things, and I I think there's an argument to be made that the multiverse doesn't count per se in the MCU storytelling, which I guess we'll get to in the story in the uh, spoiler part. I understand how someone could feel a little misled here, mm-hmm. but chill. It's superhero bullshit. <laughs> like, like at the end of the day, we're watching it. We're watching a dude who goes like woo woo and makes like orange magic circle shields with his hands and jumps through star shaped portals into different universes. Like if, if all you want from that is to see like these seven actors might have played Iron Man. So we're going to cast each of them. Like, it's just not it's just not a movie. It's not a story. Fair. Um, I don't know. I, I thought a lot about how well Cap Civil War 
balanced being a Captain America movie as well as the next stage of the MCU, as well as like an introduction to Black Panther and an introduction to Spider-Man and like the breadcrumbs of the WandaVision relationship. And yet that story still works coherently for me. Like Ant-Man arrives back in that movie and you, you get to see the rift between Tony and Cap really play out after it culminated over the first several however many movies. And with this, I'm not actually sure that it works narratively across the board as like the the cameos that we do here, which we'll which we'll get to them to them later. Um I'm you know, not, I, I, I have an important comment on that. And I what? I, I I I'm sorry if this counts as a spoiler, but I'm well, I'm not counting I, it as I, let me just say one thing. One thing. One okay, thing. go ahead. What works about Cap Civil War is that Iron Man is situated as the villain in that movie. Yes, he has Zemo is there and is the instigator. The villain of that movie is Iron Man. It is a Captain America perspective movie. The antagonist is Iron Man. They do much the same thing here structurally, where Doctor Strange is the good guy. There's an there's an antagonistic force. Wanda's the bad guy, and that's how we we set up the conflict here. And I, I actually think that structurally it's extraordinarily similar. The problem is that the multiverse is kind of goofy in a way where you could do like literally two scenes with Peter Parker to introduce him. And you're also introducing characters that people already have pre-existing relationships with. Ant-Man already existed. He's being pulled mm-hmm. into it. Everyone on earth has a relationship with Peter Parker, Spider-Man. If you have any interest in a superhero movie, you know who that is already intrinsically. It's built into you. Some of the ones in this one, a little, a little off the grid. So while I was excited about one particularly strange one here, everyone was like, what the fuck to a bunch of the introductions. And I, I think perhaps that's part of it, but I, I will bite my tongue until spoiler section. We'll get there in a second. I want to talk about Sam Raimi before we, we dive headfirst into the spoilers, because this is his, this is his return to the, the superhero genre. And, you know, I, we did a whole final review on the first Spider-Man and all the different directors they got to and then landing on him to get to to do the Toby trilogy and how much we revere those first two movies. And you read his Rolling Stone review of interview and then some of the behind the scenes about him getting thrown in with an unfinished script where he didn't know the ending of the movie until midway through production of it, how Michael Waldron got thrown in to rewrite the script and how all of these pieces got thrown together. You notice some of the pieces that got thrown together in the beginning. And look, the thing that you talk about with uh, Spider-Man, how you notice when the green screen is there and when some of the things are a little more, we're all in actually on location um, are much more evident when I think I pick up where Sam Raimi takes charge and like there are two things that I I legitimately love about this movie. What's Derrickson didn't Derrickson didn't film anything. Oh, I know. I'm saying as far as like as far as he got into the movie though, there it is a clear like okay, we got up to this point with that material, and then Sam Raimi took over, and any type of say he had as director, you see when it's officially like oh we're in a we're in a Sam Raimi movie now. Then there's the obligatory MCU stuff that. I guess that's what people are more frustrated by. However, 
the horror elements, whether they work for you as horror elements or not, but the specific Sam Raimi styles, the the zooms on specific characters, the camera angle on certain moments, whether someone is crawling out of a reflection or musical notes are being used as weapons or a literal like hallway chase, like in The Shining is like, happening on screen and they're effective. And one of my favorite parts of the movie, what did you think of Sam Raimi's direction in this movie? I thought that Raimi showed um, an autorial touch more than most MCU directors are able to. I, I think it's a lazy criticism that every movie looks the same and every movie kind of comes out the same. I, I, I think it's true for some of them. I, I know I'm going to target your boy, John Watts here. Mm-hmm. I think John Watts is like, quintessential like replacement level director for this stuff like he puts the camera where it's supposed to go he puts the quips where they're supposed to be he shoots the action cogently that's about it there's no can you tell me anything about john watts as a director not not like anything. in the sense of not not really other than the fact that i really enjoy his spider-man movies yeah i, I i've yeah. seen i've seen his other movie that's not a spider-man movie and i can't tell you anything about John Watts, the director, he's fine. Like he's perfectly cromulent director. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you get people who have a signature and a style to their work, we we do see that. Like the notion that that Thor Ragnarok is a MCU movie and not a Taika movie is nuts. That's a Taika movie. Everything from the to the camera shots, the tracking that he likes to do, the humor, the tone, the pacing. That is a clear Taika Waititi movie that just happens to be about superhero bullshit. And I feel the same way about about this. There's a weird like film Twitter sanctity of, of Sam Raimi here that's out there as though this is not a guy who's done like 17 paycheck movies in his career. I mean, the guy did three, three fucking Spider-Man movies. And the third one was like hell on earth for him. He did Oz, the great and powerful, like for love of the game. I know you like that movie and I do Mm -hmm. not. That is not like a Sam Raimi joint, the quick and the dead. Like these are not movies that are, are Sam Raimi horror auteur. And he's done lots of cool, weird stuff. I, I like, I don't love the Evil Dead stuff, but I like it. I get why people adore it. Dark Man is fun. Like I actually like the Gift, which I guess isn't a very Sam Raimi-ish Sam Raimi movie. I, I just think that every studio movie—it's not a Marvel thing. Every big budget studio movie has concessions that quote unquote auteurs need to make to make a two hundred million dollar movie. And it's no—it's no slight on Raimi to say that yes, there are elements that are very Marvel-ish to this, but I think that Raimi brings his touch to it about as much as any director can in this sort of scale production. Okay. Um, I am sent. I'm just, I mean, I'll, I'll include this in the pot. Obviously as I'm just, I'm sensing a disdain for the reaction to this movie from you that I've I, only seen in a couple other pods that I'm, I'm almost ready to just run ISO at a certain point and let you go. Once we get it, to spoilers, it's that I, I, it, it doesn't even need spoilers. I just, I didn't love this movie. I think it's fine. Like, I think it's a perfectly good superhero movie. I like it more than some Marvel movies. I like it less than other Marvel movies. I like it more than some blockbusters. I like it less than some other blockbusters. But this like perversion of the discussion around this movie and like what this movie was supposed to deliver and didn't, or on the other side, this like, oh my God, Marvel is killing movies thing. 
fuck off. Like nobody's going to theaters. If there's no Marvel, there's no movie theaters. Like it's really, really, really simple because since, since the great reawakening of the box office, what eight, eight of the top 10, nine of the top 10, I I don't know what the number is right now are superhero movies and not just superhero movies, but Marvel movies, especially if you count the broader definition and we loop in venom and whatever you count no way home as I, I, I I'm just so, I'm so tired of this weird entitled like thing from fan culture. Like watch the movie that's in front of you. Judge the movie that's in front of you. I, I I'll wait for spoilers. So let me just get through a couple things with another. Let's, let's jump into spoilers. Cause I, I sense that the rest of this conversation needs to be spoken freely. Um, Dr. Strange uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. I, do you see them positioning him as the new Tony Stark as I mean, this is now the second movie in a row where an adolescent uh, version of an, an Avenger or an MCU character that seems to be still a teenager um, is now looking to Dr. Strange for help. Is it, does that where you see this going and are you fine with the, that being his new role in this universe? I, I do think he's probably the, the, Iron Man in positioning of the new universe, which makes sense because Doctor Strange is kind of just a remake of Iron Man with magic. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it makes sense if you're going to do like multiverse stuff. You, Doctor Strange is a natural connection point there. Cumberbatch is, is aside from Hemsworth, I think the oldest and most established of the current generation of MCU people. So you need kind of a, a senior person there, assuming that, you know, Chris Evans isn't magically coming out of the woodwork. So I think it makes sense. I'll say that Dr. Strange to the, to the extent he is an Avenger from time to time in the comics is not really a natural Avenger figure because he's off in this like magic side realm. Um, you know, he's got a lot of things to the extent he's doing team up stuff that end up more in the like blade and ghost rider side of the ledger. But I think it's a perfectly reasonable fit. And I think Cumberbatch as a performer is good at, you know, making himself felt in limited screen time of these big group settings. Did you, were you opining for more Rachel McAdams as she returns to the MCU? And I, I'm gonna, gonna use your link, your language here as have you from the two Doctor Strange movies we've now seen and the one we just saw where their relationship is is broadcast even more, do you sense the chemistry that these two have ever had the raw, hot, sweaty relationship that you want your love interest to have in movies? I, I do not think that they have uh, much chemistry at all. Frankly, I don't think... I don't think Cumberbatch really ever has much sexual chemistry with anyone in movies. So I, Imitation I, game. Uh, sure. Sure. So, <laughs> so, so I kind of, I kind of blame him, um, which is, you know, where, where I'm, I'm stuck here. I, I think it's a flaw of his as a performer, but um, neither of these movies have given a shit about that yeah. character. It's really clear to me. And it's, it's a, it's a strike on Raimi that, this movie cares about two characters and only two characters. And that's Dr. Stephen strange and Wanda Maximoff and could not care less about anyone else, which is a bummer for me. Cause I think I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think he's a wonderful actor. I love Benedict Wong. I think he's, I think he absolutely crushes every like, you know, what does he get in these movies? Like three minutes of screen time each. And I think he's 
wonderful. And this movie just has no no interest in in using him. Michael Stuhlbarg is like one of my favorite character actors, and he shows up in this for I think literally seventy seconds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I get it. Like, I understand that Raimi is clearly like trimming and focusing, and that that's probably good from a storytelling perspective. But <laughs> poor, poor fucking Rachel McAdams is just has nothing to do here in any universe for that. In matter. any universe, true. Um, the the Michael Stuhlbarg part threw me off because. If I hadn't gone back and rewatched Doctor Strange one and remembered, oh, he's like the other doctor that is just there to get shit on by Stephen Strange. And then when he shows up in this and I've now seen multiple movies where Stubark and his talents are used more effectively. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's in this. And it's just to say one line at a wedding, you know, and I, I agree with you that there seems to be a focus on two characters and two characters only. One of them is also not our new character. The, uh, Stuhl, so she, the, the Stuhlbarg thing is mm-hmm. also because that's a comic book character. That's, who, I, that's who, fine. Yeah. He, well, he becomes a villain and everything. So I think they're just keeping him around exclusively. So he's an option for Doctor Strange 3 or Doctor Strange 4 or WandaVision 2 or whatever they want to do with it. Makes sense. The As I was saying, though, Soshi Gomez as America Chavez, um, she has the ability to... Uh, uh, teleport and travel through the different universes, um, which was to then lead us into the multiverse of madness. Uh, did you have the same, maybe not necessarily issue, but just the irony of everyone in the character in the movie, like yelling at America and trying to protect America and potentially protecting and threatening America like there are certain lines like there's one at the end where he's literally turning to America and being like, trust your power. If you realize how to harness your power, you can do great things. And after the week that America just had, I'm not 100 percent sure I agree, Dr. Strange. Um, uh, did you think the introduction of this character was done well um, or was this also a case of not developing that enough and really only focusing on the other two characters? This is a really interesting character in the comics. I've read the the run of America Chavez kind of on her own. Um, she's also a young Avenger regularly. And it's an interesting character because she is a gay woman who has two moms who is Hispanic. And I, I just... And I believe that she's also, you know, if not non-binary at the very least, more of on like poly on the scale. Or I think that the movie is doing this thing that Disney keeps doing, which is like teasing at actually being progressive with one of these characters and then pulling it back at the end and being like, yes, she can have her two moms. We're never actually going to say like anything about it. We're just going to see them, whatever happens to them in a little flashback. Um, and that's going to be it. We'll have like a 12 second reference to it. And then like later in the movie, you know, uh, Cumberbatch will in a weird way be like your parents, your parents. Um, I don't think they service this character well at all. I think this character is kind of a MacGuffin, which is a bummer because I think the performer that they found, I, I, I'm not familiar with her otherwise, but I think that she's, I think she's talented. I think she's an interesting performer. I think she has an expressive face. I, I think that there's something here, but I think Sam Raimi viewed her as a human MacGuffin. I think the plot of the movie viewed her as a human MacGuffin. And I, I just, 
maybe, I, maybe you disagree, but I just didn't get the sense that there's any anything here. She could have been a tesseract, and it wouldn't have been very different for the plot. That's well, almost identical to how I felt. Which, again, once they introduce that, like she can jump from universe to universe. They say she's been to like seventy something, or like I think seventy eight is the exact number that she uses. They, she's the one that introduces the line that dreams are. Um, uh, are visions of what's happening in other universes, which is an unreal idea that I, not to echo the the people that you're frustrated with, but I I was actually curious if they would explore that even more if they can at least in other properties. Um, but yeah, I, I think you you hit it on the nose that they'd spend some time developing Doctor Strange and furthering his story, and then we get to Wanda and not really anybody else. The first note I have in the spoiler section is the Wanda conversation. So I think now is a transition we can make. I will just say before we go there fully, I do think Elizabeth Olsen is incredible. And as you've already said, she's the villain in this movie. If we're then putting her up against the rankings of other MCU villains, this is up there for me. And part of it has to do with the... I, I'm giving Raimi some of the credit here. The the literal like horror movie villain that she turns into, especially during one sequence of the movie, that was very effective for me. Um, before we dive deep into a lot of her motivations, what are your what are your thoughts on the performance by Elizabeth Olsen? You know, uh, there's a lot of folks who are rejecting her in this movie, not any particular slight to her performance, but mm-hmm. finding an inconsistency with her arc in WandaVision. I'm not sure that I'm quite persuaded. And I kind of think I need to see this movie a second time to to cogently address that. Or a third. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a crazy point, though, because mm-hmm. the end of WandaVision, spoilers for a show that you've probably already watched. And if you haven't, you're not going to. So mm-hmm. um The end of WandaVision really sees her reckoning with her grief over the loss of Vision. And they go back to it in this movie, but they show her reckoning directly with the loss of her hypothetical magic children. And I think it's a difficult beat to undo the emotional closure of that i thought it was a little silly touching but silly the um the what is what is love but grief persevering mm-hmm. or what is whatever it is what is grief but love persevering yeah, yeah is a little it's a little hokey a little overwritten but it's also kind of cute and gets to the point nicely super accurate yeah <laughs> um i think you kind of walk it back when you flip her and have her be the villain this way and have her essentially be willing to, you know, kill entire realities just to get her hypothetical children back from the multiverse that in real time probably spent what I, I know there's some notion of how much time is being lost in the bubble in WandaVision, mm-hmm. but spent not all that much time with because the kids are like flash forwarding in age. So I I'm I'm mindful of people who are are unsatisfied by this arc that said i think that she's quite good here i think that she's an effective horror villain i think the stuff where she's dispensing a lot of spoilers is really effective and uh i think that she's 
she's good here. I, I do think that it's an interesting conversation to be had about how this and WandaVision thematically fit together. Because if if we're to treat this stuff seriously, we should be delving into if it's a fair character arc. My my initial gut instinct is yes, it is. But I, I, I think that I've seen smart points raised to the contrary. I have a rebuttal Please. and it's all spoilers. So let's take a break and come back and talk about this movie freely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just the ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We're talking about spoilers of what potentially will be. Well, now that I'm looking at the rest of the lineup, it's at least going to be top five at the box office this year. Okay. I'm putting Avatar ahead of it. I've thought of you seeing the trailer beforehand. Um, I, so I'm putting Top Gun ahead of it. And I'm also, I'm going to guess that Thor gets past it too with the Hemsworth and the Portman and the, the Christian Bale of it all. But with all that said, um, I'm putting Black Panther. Is that this year? November. Are they so they just haven't released a trailer for it. Okay, then yes, this will be number five at the box office this year. Um, all that being said, for a movie, I'm sure you've seen Jurassic World. No, everybody, I'm telling all of dude. Probably yes, Oz. Those I'm make just, so much money, Oz. I'm being facetious. Let me. This is going to be a bit. Everybody, I'm helping you. Don't go see this movie. Just. Let us see it. We'll tell you how bad it is. And then don't go see this movie. If you want to watch Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern and uh, Sam Neill go fight dinosaurs, go watch Jurassic Park. Don't see Jurassic World. Anyway, um, all that being said, we're now going to talk spoilers about this movie that so many of you have already seen. 
So if you haven't and you made it 39 minutes into this podcast, listening to us talk about it with some restrictions, um, come back afterwards. Or if you just don't care, enjoy this spoiler conversation. My rebuttal to this being a leap from the character that you see at the end of WandaVision to the character that you now see what we now have established is two years later, which blew my mind that this was, I guess it's a year later, right? Cause WandaVision was 2021. Uh, no, because nothing in the MCU fits that way because end games in 2023. No, no, no. I literally meant when it was released, like in our world. Uh, then yes, 2021. Yes. Yeah, so like, it's a, I guess it's a year later. Um, regardless, what has now been some time since she's left West West view, and then uh, I guess banished herself to this little little uh, portion of what I'll call Montana. Although if you watch that that Paramount Plus show, it's not Montana. Regardless, um, there's the thing which I'll uh, it's called the Darkhold, and it's the thing that Agatha Harkness introduces, and it's an exploration into dark magic. And there are countless references to the Darkhold, and it's the book that Wanda's using to explore the multiverse and to find these other worlds where she has kids and she's happy and to see the uh, world that she could have. And then eventually dream walk from universe to uh, through the universe as this other version of Wanda. And it's an exploration into the dark magic, which means the Wanda that we see at the end of WandaVision is still Wanda, but then she becomes the Scarlet Witch and then is affected by the dark hold. And I know that the, some of the response to this is like, well, that's not effective enough of a like thing to get her to turn into a villain. And I'm just like, if all it took for doc Ock was like a thing, a chip to break. And all of a sudden those arms control him. If all it took was Loki's scepter and Hawkeye is now a bad guy. All of these villains have these evil tools that lead to it. And the countless references to what the dark hold creates like Dr. Strange in one universe here, like cause the incursion that destroyed two universes so much so that he then has a suicide mission in the world with the Illuminati um, in the what if episode where Dr. Strange uh, it's what if Dr. Strange had also created, I forget what the actual what if is, but like the episode about Dr. Strange, what if he lost his heart instead what of if he lost? Boom. Thank you. This is why Oz is the greatest. Um, when he explores that, book that um, he gets all of his powers to create Strange Supreme. That is a dark hole. That is an exploration into dark magic. And in one effort, he tries to reason with one of the evil things. And then he actually says the line, if they're not going to freely surrender it, I'm going to forcefully take it. That is what the dark magic does to you. So I am able to say that this Wanda gets to that because the last scene we see in WandaVision is her exploring the Darkhold. My my counter to that is everything you just said is true. Yes. Everything you just said is plot sustainable, or at least plot device sustainable. I don't think anyone cares about the plot device. Oh, I, I think I, the, get, well, the, I get it. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. The, the, the counterpoint isn't, oh my God, the Darkhold wouldn't do this to Wanda or anything like that. It's what the fuck did we spend nine episodes seeing her grow through WandaVision for 
for her to immediately regress. And I think there, there's an, there are elements that could explain that, which are not in the text. You could do sort of an addict story or something like that of someone who needs to find the next fix, which I think even aside from the alcoholism, which they don't really do with Tony Stark, they do the addict story of someone who can't help himself, but to try to find like a magical solution to all the world's ills. I, I'm not sure that they've they've sold that arc with Wanda. And part of it, <coughs> pardon me, is that this character is so badly used in Ultron and the other Avengers movies and in Civil War. There's just nothing there until WandaVision and WandaVision like fixed it. Now everyone loves this character. It, it's it's a little bit of a tough beat for me to see this character make growth and then immediately just because the stinger says so regress back and maybe she is weak and easy to tempt and everything else. I'm not sure that they've sold this human characters arc for that. I totally agree though, that the sort of superhero magic bullshit of it all explains it and justifies it, but I'm not sure that it makes sense from a, that makes sense from a Scarlet witch perspective. I'm not mm-hmm. sure it makes sense from a Wanda Maximoff one. So the, the thing I've seen about, the leap that you're talking about mm-hmm. and really just like her motivations that she's doing all of this so she can go be the mother that she sees she could be in another universe. And look, WandaVision, we've never actually talked about what our personal rankings of the, the Disney plus shows are. WandaVision is always going to be my number one while admitting that some of the conversation around it was misleading and the and literally what you were talking about, that you don't like that Mephisto will, will Mephisto be in this. And it's like, yeah, that was fun. And that wasn't there when I realized that any disappointments I have are all generated by me. Um, the actual look at what grief is and how you overcome loss is like a very well done thing in a Marvel property, which I was never expecting. And actually dealing with the consequences that everybody got to be a hero at the end of any game. And she's looking up and it's like, I lost my brother, my home, my love. And like that, that one scene where she's got the note from vision and the, the floor plans to their house. And then she just lets it all out. Sometimes that's what grief looks like. But another thing, and this is where I actually give the movie a lot of credit. Another way that grief gets you is when you're dreaming. And when you wake up from that dream and all of a sudden, any type of alternate world that you have gone to where the thing that you've been grieving over doesn't exist, and then reality comes back in the moment you wake up, that was featured here. And like grief has setbacks, which is why when you add in the dark arts and the magic of it all, I was I bought it is what I'll say. And then you add in that it's apparently like identical to the comic that it's like the source material is also accurate too. where I will jump over to your side is it's less about the writing and how flawed it is. And I hate using the word problematic, but like I do hear anybody out that's like, Marvel might have an issue with writing their female characters because when you look at how they treated Black Widow and the, the like just throwing her movie after her death, so the stakes in that movie just like don't exist. And then you add in what they've now done to Wanda. And it's it's like 
I've, I've, I've gone and sought out the opinions of a lot of the women in my life to make sure I'm, I'm not missing a single thing that I'm not just being like, look, it makes sense in the plot. And I hear you out that like a, the most powerful woman and her downfall is I just want to be with my kids. And that shouldn't be villainized the way that it is, whether it's accurate to the source material or not. Is that something that you either feel or at least empathize with as well? I'm setting you up so poorly there. My bad. Of course, you empathize. No, 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 no. no. It's it. I I get what I get what you're asking. And I I think that there is an issue here, but it's an issue that comes from the source material and not because yeah. it's accurate because I, I don't really think it's all that accurate because the crazy, the craziness of what Wanda does at various points and in various plots is both more extreme and more justified because the character is much more clearly, even when she's a hero, much more clearly. I, I, there's a gendered issue to this word I'm going to use here. Crazy um, throughout all of it. But when she does like no more mutants and things like that, and essentially, you know, kills every mutant on earth, just because, just because um, it's not, it, it, I, I get why people would say it's similar to the plots. I just don't, I don't think it is. And I don't think it's justified in the same way. And it doesn't come from a WandaVision esque story that leads into it. That said, there, there's absolutely an issue here because there are no fucking female superheroes. And we're at a place where, because they're kind of desperate, it's like Moon Knight spoiler, Scarlet Scarab is now mm-hmm. a thing, as though anyone has ever fucking heard of that character. And I think they're doing a good job of like making the Florence Pugh Black Widow seem like a badass, of introducing Kate Bishop. I think that the Sylvie Loki in Loki is pretty is pretty great. And I think we're going to see a lot of her in the future. I think it didn't work, but I think Eternals, at least for most people, tried to introduce a lot of interesting female characters to the mix. This is a little bit of the IP downfall because nobody read stuff about female superheroes in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it didn't really bubble up until the 90s where more women just statistically were reading comic books and we're engaging with these stories more and you get so many of the embarrassing like captain marvel sex pot sort of plots that are really miss marvel um sex pot stories that are out there that are just they're kind of sad to look at in hindsight they're trying more on the tv side because we're going to get miss marvel we're going to get she hulk they're they're trying to you know fix this a little bit but it's tough because there just aren't many characters they're going to get people to drop their 18 bucks at the movie theater on and you you try to build them up and you try to justify them and that's what they're doing with the marvels that's why you're you you have your captain marvel movie you have your miss marvel tv show we're going to bring them together and throw in uh the rambo character from wandavision and we'll get our whole bunch of marvels and try to make each of them a little more important in the future but they're they're sort of running out of people that we give a shit about aside from bringing back in stuff that already exists that isn't in the MCU, like fantastic four and X-Men and all that. What other characters are left that people actually care about? I'm at Nova and that I'm mm. kind of tapped out there for people that were like, fuck yeah, I need to see this. Like we've had a ghost rider. So that doesn't, that doesn't fit the bill. So I don't know what the, what the solution is to the, to the gender issue beyond trying to make these characters work slowly, but surely hopefully mighty Thor is good. And people respond well to Portman. I suspect they won't because the internet is dark and full of awful people. So I, I assume people are just going to be really mad that how dare a woman be Thor. 
So um, Twi- Twitter's a dark hold. Yes, it is. So yes. I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is here. But there is. I think there is an issue. But it comes both from the source material and the means of production. It's also clear that the MCU itself wasn't as progressive as it is now in a lot of core ways. I mean, you have like Ike Perlmutter refusing to allow Marvel to have Rebecca Hall be the bad guy in Iron Man 3 because nobody will believe that a woman can be the bad guy, which is one of the reasons that movie is such like a grinding mess because they just shoehorn in Guy Pierce. And there's a whole there's a whole backstory to all this, like a, essentially like an internal Marvel Studios civil war that Feige won out against Perlmutter and then started to move things in a more positive direction. But, you know, you had a guy who's actually just like a, a racist, sexist piece of shit who was a major voice at the table for the first like seven or eight years of the MCU. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of building back that needs to happen. And I think Feige wanted to do Black Widow earlier. He wanted to do Captain Marvel earlier, but there was internal structure between Disney and Marvel that made it impossible to do that. I, so a couple of things. So I guess for me personally, the leap from WandaVision to this, I I don't know. It based off of going because I had the thought of like, damn, all that work done in WandaVision gets reversed with this. And then going back and seeing the end of WandaVision, I don't think that there's as much closure as I initially thought at the end of WandaVision. I think that was about her getting over vision, which if there isn't there like a white version of vision, where is he? In all of this, also in these alternate universes, where is Vision? So she's just like a single mom that didn't conceive. With, so all those questions aside, um, I did think that there was still. And look, this is just how grief works. Like you have setbacks. You know, one day you're like, I'm fine, I have a closure, and then the next day you're not, and that's probably going to look a certain way if you have magic powers that a dark hold also working their way with you as you go backwards in your process. So I guess for me personally, it worked. I also just flat out agree with you that the the source material is the larger issue rather than because I've seen Michael Waldron getting raked through the coals and maybe it wasn't correct to have this very complex female storyline with very stereotypical female motivations from the comic that it was written from be written by a dude. One of the things I love so much about the last duel, a movie we both love is that like, like the two dudes are, our Boston bros wrote the two male perspectives and then they went and got a woman to write the female perspective. And that's why that movie I think works so effectively. And I wonder if that was missing from this. Um, having said all of that, I think this can now lead into uh, any larger frustrations you have with the reaction to the disappointment to this movie um, where and the Illuminati is introduced. And look, I said this when we did our top 10 of the year. I knew this was coming. I didn't know I was going to like pretty much know exactly what was coming outside. Holy shit of John Krasinski from the I'm not even, I can't even just say from the office. John Krasinski being Reed Richards was a legitimate holy shit moment. And the fact that I saw Professor X show up and then you the theme from the cartoon plays was amazing, by the way. Is, is, it's amazing. But damn, if my mind would have been so much more blown if I didn't know he was coming. Like, that's where my frustration with the source material was. And 
Marvel having so much credibility for me that while any person with common sense knew that Toby and Andrew were going to be in No Way Home, the shock of seeing it and hearing it for the first time in the movie elevated that moment so much. So I guess I assumed oh, if they're giving away Patrick Stewart in the trailer, they're giving like we're getting Magneto like Logan's just going to show up in one scene or at least they were going to introduce the X-Men in this movie. And that's not what we get. Like they're just their version of the Avengers in Earth 838 or whatever the number is. The Illuminati is a thing. That's a comic thing. Right. It, but that thing is, is that thing accurate to what we not see necess- portrayed in this movie? Actually, kind of. It's not necessarily the light up, but it's not really a Supreme Court setup like they have mm-hmm. in, in this movie. But the, in effect, the smartest, greatest heroes of Earth align and behind the scenes manipulate what's going on in the world. So mm-hmm. you'll see it. There are different configurations, but you see it with Iron Man and Reed Richards. Namor is a common member, Black Panther, where they'll kind of actually get together and be the Illuminati is the appropriate name here because they're like working the threads throughout um, throughout the greater Marvel world. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not an inaccurate concept, but yeah, I, I look, I get what you're saying. And they made a choice on the trailers, almost certainly motivated by the buzz around Spider-Man and the leaks around Spider-Man. Cause anyone with a fucking social media account knew that Toby and Andrew were in that movie. I mean, every reporter asked poor Andrew Garfield if he was in the fucking movie or not for like six months on two other movies. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's out there. And I think they thought they could get the same perk here. And I think there, there, there's, really two problems to it, which number one, for me, I think the Krasinski reveal is actually kind of cooler because that's like pure service. The internet, give us what we want. I thought that was awesome. But I think the bigger issue is that those characters don't do anything. And I think the frustration that people have is that we're sold this, this bill of goods that we're going to get fucking Patrick Stewart in a Dr. Strange movie. And he's in the movie for like four minutes and then gets his neck snapped in a dream sequence. I, because of the way my brain works, I think it's fucking great. I think it's so funny. I think it's such a good troll to bring back all of these characters and then have them brutally slaughtered by Wanda. I think it's fucking hilarious. I think number one, it establishes her bona fides, especially when she heel turns for how powerful she can be. Number two, I just think it's so fucking good. I think it's so funny. There's some like goofiness. Clearly they weren't all in the same place, which is why they just stand there and watch Reed Richards get ripped to shreds. Mm-hmm. But there's something so funny about all these famous people coming in just to get fucking slaughtered. It's very, very, that's like the most Sam Raimi thing about it to brutalize these people. And I get that people get really mad. Like people get mad at the Ben Kingsley Mandarin. It's the same sort of thing where we're actively trolling the audience and I'm into it. I think it's good. Here's the problem. Taking a step back for a moment, let's talk about what they did deliver. They gave us a new version of Captain Marvel inspired by WandaVision. So it makes thematic sense for why it's here. They give us Captain Carter, which is probably the best creation of what if and a delight because it's always nice to have Haley Atwell. They give us the fucking Inhumans show brought back, which is like the dog baby of the entire Marvel thing over the last 15 years 
And they bring back Anson Mount, who that show is very, very bad, but he's not the problem with it. I think that's that's such a weird, deep cut thing to bring back. I kind of think it's great in concept. Um, they give us Reed fucking Richards. They introduce the Fantastic Four for the first time, and they do it with the dream fan casting that everyone has wanted on the Internet. And they give us Patrick fucking Stewart and introduce the X-Men clearly because there are illusions otherwise, but clearly introduce the X-Men for the first time as something that exists in this broader universe. Not only that, everything about it is designed in the most like fan service masturbatory way. Let's tease the X-Men 97 theme as though that has anything to do or X-Men 92, whatever you want to call it, as if that has anything to do with what we're watching. And it's delightful. Like they tease the, they tease the mm-hmm. Captain America theme with Captain Carter. Like it, it is so built out in a fan servicey way. Not just that. Then we get a we get a stinger of of Charlize Theron showing up in the MCU. Perhaps our greatest female action star shows up in the MCU, and everyone is like, "Oh, you didn't give us enough. We didn't get Tony Stark as Iron Man or Krasinski as Captain America or any of this other stuff." And I, guys. We came from an era where like one little allusion to a gamma ray was like, oh, my God, it's mind blowing. And now we have this like this is this is pretty cool nerd shit. And everyone is everyone is just fucking broken. Um, counterpoint, they gave us the Haley Atwell shield on the poster. They gave us. Patrick if, Stewart if you need someone to like pick apart a little thing of the poster, you can't see it when you look at the poster. You need someone to like do the thingy from. No, like you literally just look those... at the poster. No, it's, it's not there's the shield is right there. Yes. You have to like zoom in and all that other shit. That no Deadpool and people saying that Deadpool is in it. You actually had to Deadpool's do a Rorschach. I know. I'm saying the Rorschach test of like, is that Deadpool? If you want to say he is, I guess we'll find out when the movie comes out. Confirmed. He's not in the movie. There is a legit Captain America, or I guess this version of Captain Carter shield on the poster. Like the one of the shards of glass has a shield. There is no other character that has that except the what if Captain Carter. That's not that's not us having to go be detectives here. That is almost blatant. If we go to the theater right now, it will be there. I guess when it happened with Spider-Man, the two Tobies helped further the other Tobies story. So it's why I'm able to appreciate how that was done and not just call it fan service, not just call it a cameo. This is a literal we're here for one scene. And yes, it helps further Wanda's plot and establish her dominance. But I don't think like John Krasinski hasn't been confirmed as the new Captain America. Patrick Stewart said like he was nervous about coming back for this one scene, but then he heard that it was just a one-off and then, okay, sure, I'll come be killed off by Wanda Maximoff, but like this was an opportunity to introduce Magneto if you wanted to, and in this universe, we all know what her relationship to Wanda, what his relationship to Wanda was in the comics. Like, that's a way to introduce that that way. But how, how do you... This is a serious question. How the fuck do you fit that into the movie? It's already over two hours. I don't. I don't want three hours of fucking Doctor Strange. I'm tired of these fucking three hour movies that don't deserve to be that length. I like like 85 minute movies. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. We get a movie that's like 85 minutes. You cannot possibly. Let's assume that everything else in the movie is the same. You cannot possibly take on the burden of introducing Magneto, 
introducing the relationship, which does not pre-exist in the comics and in, or in the comics, does not pre-exist in the movies, and in fact is directly contradicted by the character's origin in WandaVision in the flashback episode. Mm-hmm. There's there's absolutely no way to reasonably do that from a storytelling perspective. It's just more wankerous Easter eggs. So then as a result, I, I'm not... And this, again, is where I open the show talking about is my expectations on me or is this Marvel with the leak culture that they've given us and the literal movie we just saw with Spider-Man No Way Home, where it was done so effectively. The fact that they're here for one scene and one scene only, I still have no I still have no idea what the direction of this is going, which is, oh, ne- you know, is the next question is the next question that I have. But I'll hear your quibble out first. Spider-Man No Way Home. OK. Daredevil. My favorite part, Daredevil, the thing that gave me the greatest joy because that's my favorite character. And I love that movie and everything else is the dumbest deployment of a character in the history of movies. That is a character with all this weight for viewers like me and viewers like someone who's just seeing a Spider-Man movie and doesn't give a shit about this stuff has no idea what the fuck is going on or why this like random dude is catching a brick thrown a window it's cheap lazy writing entirely predicated on your pre-existing relationship with this character he does nothing he services nothing and he's presented in this let's have a big clap because look at the cane on the ground here sort of way it's no different than the way that anson mount is deployed in this one it's just a question of people like daredevil and people fucking hate black bolt so far or don't care and i don't Look, even the even the fucking three Spider-Man's things, that's played out properly. Those things mm-hmm. are treated well. But No Way Home is engages in exactly the same sort of cheap pop that this is doing here. And this at least has the sort of integrity to openly acknowledge what they're doing by murdering brutally every single one of these characters. I didn't enjoy it as much as you did. That, I guess, is the, the diff- biggest difference here is that I don't... I, mm, and I, this is why I'm trying to avoid being like, I expected more because that's on me, not the movie. The Daredevil pop, he needed a lawyer. They got a lawyer. And like us seeing the Daredevil, the seasons of Daredevil will apply our prior knowledge to that the same way that like they needed a head of the Illuminati and Charles Xavier rolls out. I know who that is from whatever, 11 other X-Men movies and then the comics and TV shows that are a part of that that give the backstory, which is why I don't need the MCU to explore that much. Um, For it to just show up for one scene and then just be part of her literally picking off each of them, it felt like the version that you don't like with, um, with Charlie Cox showing up, which is not, for me at least effective enough in the storytelling here, which like you raise a good question. Then how do you do it? I'm not hundred percent sure, which is why uh, listen, the last question I have here, we'll probably ask about Charlie Theron. Um, the direction of the MCU overall, where I knew where it was going, like the first Iron Man movie comes out and then we get the stinger, the Avengers initiative. Okay. This is all pointing to the Avengers. Great. Then at the end of Avengers, the end of phase one, we get the Thanos tease. And then for the next two phases, this is all heading toward Thanos. And now I'm at this point where like the stakes and the larger, the larger direction of the MCU 
I'm just kind of curious where all this is headed towards because like what does was does Wanda having this inter the, the this crisis and this this introspective therapy that she's had to go to what does that do to the overall story what does what did Strange's character further with this and towards what like where are we all headed towards with this which like the in, the multiverse being introduced is cool and if this is how you're going to get the fantastic four that we have to go to other universes or go to another universe and see the x-men well that's fine but like what is it all headed towards and look if you do have like based off of your knowledge of the comics and you see the direction that it's all headed like i'm actually genuinely asking like where are we going with the mcu now do do they feel do we actually have a direction that this is all pointed toward Here's the problem. You're asking for something that comic books don't deliver, which is to have this sort of cohesive like thing that it's all leading up to time and time again. And we're going to get a thing that it's all leading up to. I have a bet on what it is. I don't I don't know this for certain, but I suspect it's secret war because we're getting secret invasion, which is a big part of the secret war story. That's the Nick Fury show that's coming to Disney Plus next year. And a lot of these characters all all fit into that, which is this kind of um, it's it's like an annoying series of crossover things that eventually get us to villains versus villains who are all funded. I, I, it doesn't matter. So I think there's a, a story that they're going to, which is a far less satisfying story than the simple virtues of the snap. So uh, there is a plan, I suspect. And it's clear that they just had their little Marvel writers retreat and all the writers went off into the woods with Kevin Feige and figured out the next 10 years of the movies and the shows and everything else, or so they say. Look, two, two things are happening here, which is mm-hmm. that Marvel is really, really good at improv and really, really good at adjusting because a lot of the stuff that's good and we like about these movies wasn't actually planned or were like happy accidents that they leaned into. And they they like to present it as here's this magical, cohesive plan where we are like 10 years endgame. Isn't it great? And that's just not the reality of how these things were made in practice. But they're going to they're going to figure it out. The problem is you're not going to get a thing in the future because there's simply too many characters where you're like, Oh my God, they've paid off 71 characters that I'm supposed to care about right now in one movie or one mini series or whatever it may be. And I think as a viewer, you need to reacclimate yourself and find the enjoyment in the arcs of individual characters. And I think we will get conclusory acts on a lot of characters because the actors simply aren't going to do this, do these things forever. And now we've introduced the multiverse as a way to bring back characters who are departed or need to be recast or whatever else um, pretty, pretty easily. But, you know, look, you're going to get Dr. Strange as like a hinge point for everything that's going on for the next 10 years or so. And then Benedict Cumberbatch will be done doing these things and we'll get Clea as our new Dr. Strange or we'll get fucking Jacob Battleian as the new Doctor Strange, whatever it shakes out as. That's just kind of how it's going to work going forward. And that's how it's worked in comics for 60 or 70 years. And it's not it's not a satisfying answer, but it's like watching a soap opera or pro wrestling or something like that. It, it's just kind of the way of the world here. And it it to the extent it's going to go forever. And I just don't see a universe where Marvel things disappear in the next like 20 years, even if it's just relegated to Disney Plus and for the hardcore like me. Um, 
it's not going anywhere. So we're just not going to get it an ending because it has to keep it has to keep going. So to your point about it not being a satisfied answer, I'm gonna throw an analogy at you. You're a Yankee fan. I am. Um, all the closures that you had after Mariano Rivera mm-hmm. have left something to be desired because of how all time great Mariano was and impeccable his resume. Although when you you dig deeper, um, not greatest closer of all time. I'm saying like, oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, you I know, know I know, I'm I know. Being I know, the know, asshole Mets fan because I can be now. Um, like all the closures that have come after pale in comparison because holy shit, like that was a satisfying career that I got to watch for 20 years. And where I'm empathetic to somebody being disappointed about this movie or unsatisfied by this movie and a little curious about the direction of the MCU is because Endgame happened. And to a lesser extent, the last 40 minutes of No Way Home happened. And as a result, those expectations are what we bring in to every Marvel property, whether it's justified or not. And that's it's partly because of what the MCU has been good at over time. And I'm not like I personally felt that way. And listen, on the second and yes, the third watch of this movie, I was able to enjoy the Captain Carter scene for what it was like her saying, oh, I could do this all day. It's like I literally did the Captain America. Oh, I get that reference. You know, um, having Reed Richards or Jim from the office show up for a scene as Reed Richards, as you mentioned, clearly not in the room with anybody else. And then like just makes one reference to like, I got kids, too, and then gets done up like string cheese was like, really? That's why that's the introduction to Reed Richards. It's just your 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 uh, bait for Wanda to, to chew on like. I don't know. I understand someone being uh, frustrated. Spoilers by that, that you know? Krasinski is not playing that character. <laughs> oh, I know. That's the even be- like that is the part of this where it's like if Feige was just like, listen, stop casting my movie Twitter. You know, like I, I get that. And look, thematically for Wanda, it does help further her story. I just also understand people be disappointed. Let me take your analogy a slightly different way. And I'll, okay. I'm going to stick to your Yankee fan thing and say that the phase one through phase three is like being a Yankee fan in, I don't know, 1994. And it culminates in 96, 98, 99 and 2000, you get championships every single year. Mm-hmm. And you, you sit back and you ask yourself as a Yankee fan, why do I keep watching this shit? Well, number one, they win 90 games every year or something like that. Number two, you find the individual things that are worth glomming onto. It's especially now that he's vaccinated, lovely to see how well Aaron Judge is playing. <laughs> it's lovely to see Anthony Rizzo abusing the short porch in right field. Nestor Cortez is the most fun player in baseball, as far as I'm concerned. You find the things that are good to watch and you grab hold of them. And I recognize that I'm not going to get a total fun, good, satisfying Yankee team every year. It's just not going to happen. But I come back and keep watching because there are things that give me joy. It's much the same thing here. I don't expect I'm ever going to get, especially the way baseball is growing and the playoffs have expanded and everything else, that I'm ever going to get four titles in five years again. I think that I could certainly get someone who goes on like three straight MVP seasons. And maybe that's the joy that I get from the future hypothetical daredevil show or moon Knight's second season or whatever it may be. You find the things that really click for you and make it worth the engagement. And this is where I'll remind you, and this is a compliment. I promise that you're not every Yankee fan. 
there are very many Yankee fans that have unrealistic expectations for the team. And there are very many Marvel moviegoers that don't have realistic expectations. Now, again, whether that's how we open this pod, I am trying to make sure that it's not my expectations for why I consider the movie flawed, bad, mm-hmm. disappointing. Like, I actually think upon a couple watches, like, this movie's fine. Like it's it's not whack. It's not bad. It's fine. The next big thing that I thought it was gonna be that I I gotta be honest that they marketed it as being, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But that's not that does it doesn't have to be. Which is again now going forward, where we have to manage our expectations. You know, I I think the thing that's gonna work to Marvel's benefit is the sort of recalibration that this movie is forcing upon them mm. where look um s- spoilers for miss marvel it's it's not a thanos story like it's not <laughs> going to be a, a life altering everything has changed the mcu is different forever sort of thing same with with she hulk we already know that thor ragnarok is going to be insular to the thor and guardians universes and will be very important to them but not have anything else to do with the broader MCU. We're, we're kind of setting like Black Panther 2 to the extent that it ends up as a competent movie is going to be largely about how they can Furious 7 the ending and say goodbye to Bozeman more than anything else in the entire movie. And otherwise, it's just, you know, Wakanda versus Namor. So, uh, you know, I, I almost think it's good that we have this set thing happening to us. And the next couple of movies after that are the new Captain Marvel, the new Guardians, the new Ant-Man. We're, we're kind of stuck in this realm of smaller stories, which is going to give us a while for them to move into another big bopper, no way home, end game sort of thing, which brings all these disparate elements together. And I think we'll get the fun and the joy of seeing what they do with Fantastic Four. We'll get the fun and the joy of seeing what they do with the mutants that will, you know, sort of perk people up again. I think it's for the best though, that we don't think about having an answer, a brought together big MCU thing for like another five years. Like that'd be great. If 2027, we're looking at like Avengers five, sweet. That's where it should be. And let's just take the simple joys of doing like young Avengers or Thunderbolts and bringing together a bunch of characters we like and doing like little mini Avengers stories that way in the short term. And then we can do fucking Galactus or something like that. Six years from now. Um, I guess we'll see what their their plan is. I hope we I, I do hope we get some indication of where that plan is headed sometime soon. Obviously, like, Comic-Con well, and, and D23 are, are options, but go ahead. No, there's clearly little splinter universes. There's like the magic and multiverse universe where where this exists. There's like the street level universe where even like Shang-Chi exists, but like Haw- like Hawkeye and Moon Knight and things like that reside there's the space stuff with captain marvel and guardians like there there are sort of segregated areas of the mcu and i i think that works because that's often what works in comic book storytelling if you read comics you don't read comics to be like i'm gonna get an ending this year you read comics because you're like i'm enjoying this writer's run Mm -hmm. on captain america or this writer's run on hawkeye or whatever it may be and that that's the the joy you get from it. So I just think we need to start thinking in those terms and less in terms of, you know, getting a, an ending that we're all satisfied with someday, which Marvel's given us in the past is my mm-hmm. point. Like the expectations, kind of. as you meant, have had to 
have had to be recalibrated. Like you kind said. of, they gave you an Iron Man ending and they gave you a Captain America ending. And then they gave you a lot of open-ended shit for a lot no, of no, other no. characters. I'm not saying like a conclusion to a person's story. I'm saying again, the Iron Man one post credit of like, this is headed. No, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that's yes. what I'm saying. As far yes, as an yes, ending, an end point is more what I, for lack of a better word, an end game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that we're all headed toward. Uh, are you aware who Clea is the character am, yeah. that, okay. So Clea, um, in some of the comics, she is uh, Doctor Strange's wife. Yep. In some of the comics, she is um, um, the ruler of the dark dimension. Uh, also, so I'm just going to assume that the Darkhold is like co- like long COVID because when <laughs> when Doctor Strange fools around with the Darkhold in the final act, and we get Zombie Strange for what I thought was a very cool and potentially frightening set piece for people. Um, you you see him have the the, the the dark hold exacts its hole as the the sinister strange that we see in that dimension says um and yet the uh, scarlet witch um getting rid of destroying the dark hold in every universe you you'd assume that the dark hold then the effects don't happen but again long covid so third eye pops up as the last shot of the movie and then in the mid credits clea shows up the alleged ruler of the dark dimension and asks Stephen Strange to go with her. Um, where is that storyline? You think is this going to be the, the uh, potential significant other that there's heat with going forward? I mean, look, I'll be honest. Dr. Strange is not my favorite comic book character. The, the mm-hmm. magic stuff is, is unlike my son, less for me. Um, that said, this is a character who has all sorts of ties to Dormammu, who was the villain in the first one. I, I, I'll say I'm a little bummed that they didn't pay off Mordo here. Baron Mordo is a, a good character and I love Chiwetelegia for, and they just do the sort of multiverse thing. Mm-hmm. And a, like a throwaway line that he's trying to destroy me or something like that. And I just thought that was really weird. And I know I, I, I genuinely, I like when these movies have a history that's happening off screen. Like it's clear that relationships are, are, are moving forward. It's clear that people are doing things when we're not watching, but I, I think it's kind of a bummer that we're, I, I don't know if we're skipping over that or if we're coming back to it in three, but I, I would like to see edgy four get a better role and hopefully we can get a sort of Clea, Dr. Strange edgy four story in strange three. Did you see the, the report about the scene that was cut that had, I guess, Earth 616's Mordo being killed by Wanda in in the little field of the, the dimension that she's banished herself to. Um, I did not, but I'm overjoyed that I did not see that. Yeah, because that was apparently the opening of the movie, that that existed. And that then gave us the indication that Scarlet Witch has turned. And that also concludes the Mordo story. Because again, the last thing we see from Mordo in the first Doctor Strange is like no more sorcerers. And then the next thing we see of him is in the alternate dimension and just a throwaway line from Strange that he hunted me all these years. You know? Uh, I'm very glad to have not heard that because that that would be a fucking bummer if they mm-hmm. dispense with with Edgy of Four that way. Yeah. Although, because of the multiverse, which again adds to my my curiosity about stakes, is there is there an end to the edgy fork? Well, no, there, there aren't there aren't stakes. I mean, that's the problem. It's every soap opera, it's every mm-hmm. pro wrestling, it's every comic book. There are no stakes because no one's ever truly dead, no one's ever truly gone. I mean, fucking take Loki. We we both like Loki. We both mm-hmm. like we think Waldron does a good job on Loki, even if we have some quibbles with how he writes in exposition dumps in this movie. Um 
we now love this character who is technically not the same character that we were sad when he dies in infinity war. Like it's just, we're, we're just calibrated to this. And I think we just respond to seeing, Hey, there's Loki on the screen a little more than we respond to the emotion of, wow, look at Loki's growth. And now they've just kind of end run around to turn uh, Disney plus Loki into infinity war Loki with a slightly different, reason why he becomes more heroic so uh, i i doesn't matter if they kill off 616 mordo i guess not because they can bring back 838 mordo or you know 69 mordo it doesn't nice. really matter they could do whatever they want here but i i i think that edgy four is good and i i kind of like sticking to the 616 story as the thing that matters and everything else being like a fun distraction I was hoping for 420 Mordo personally, but that's just me. Um, okay. Two things before we wrap up, I'm going to throw, we did this with, with everything everywhere all at once. I'm going to do it here. Random spoiler questions without context. Okay. Um, if your ex invites you to her wedding, are you fucking going? No, I was so confused. Like, wait a minute. This is the ex who's broken watch. That means so much to you. You still carry around and you're going and she, like, the whole uh, the next question is Earth 616, I guess, New York. Is that basically Florida where like there's so much disaster happening all at once? But you just kind of, oh, there's a big eye monster attacking the superheroes and this innocent girl. Let me just look out the window during my wedding. Like the, the universe that these these normal everyday people exist in <laughs> is kind of hilarious when you really think about it. That is uh, something that they very clearly do in, in the comics where everyone's just like, eh, fuck it. This is how yeah. the world is. Um, you know, there's like a whole comic called Damage Control about the people who have to go like pick up shit after the superheroes break everything. I think mm. they did a the DC version. They did a TV show of it, if I recall, with Danny Pudi and and uh, your girl Vanessa Hudgens is in it. Ah, but um, Piqued my interest. It, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, there, there's a real like, worldview sense thing that doesn't make that they're just not interested in engaging. They're not interested in engaging in the like religion of it all. The fact that gods are real and come to earth every so often, the fact that time travel exists, there's that all this stuff is there. They just don't know how to, how to handle. I guess just my point is like the way that we're going to learn about like the insurrection in history books, I guess, depending where what history books in the country, depending on where you are in the country. Um, like, is that how Earth 616 learns about the blip? And like, are you going to have to take a pop quiz on which superheroes were disappeared in the blip like back in 2019? You know, it, it feels like people want to engage on this in the stories, but just don't have the time or energy mm -hmm. for it. You see it in uh, No Way Home with the teachers where um, you know, one's like, that, uh, fuck you, you, you killed was Mysterio. Right, yeah. Oh, and you killed you get, Mysterio. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah and then you yeah. get, you get Thanos was right in Hawkeye of the mm -hmm. urinal. Like there's a lot of, a lot of little teases of what could be happening in the background. I, for one, would, would think it would be interesting if they just did like a sitcom mm -hmm. set in New York or like a, or like a romantic comedy on Disney plus of just two normal people set in New York. They did this once actually. Now that I think about it, I think it was called item 47, and um, oh, what is, what is her name? Oh, God, it's going to kill me. Um, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. <laughs> there isn't it? Got there. <laughs> and um, it, it, they find like one of the guns from 
one of the uh, Chitari guns from Avengers and like fuck around with it. And shield has to hunt them down and like take the gun back from them. It's like the only time we get the sort of normal people boots on the ground notion of what's, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually legitimately think that would be kind of interesting. I think there are ways to do that. That could be pretty compelling. I just don't think it's ever going to happen because the more questions you ask about it, the worse it gets. Attention, everyone at said airport. Um, all flights have been grounded because all superheroes are having a gigantic fight. Hey, it, they the... put in a throwaway that it's closed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, true. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, kids. The field trip is canceled to New York City today <laughs> because a giant dimensional monster is attacking Doctor Strange. Um, are you aware of the or, or I guess Sam Raimi, who created a baseball movie I like. Um, are you aware of why the 2003 Tigers are brought up in this movie? I have no idea. Do you remember the line in which the 2003 Tigers are brought up in this movie? No. I, I mean, I assume it has something to do with the love of the game and the perfect game and all that, but I have no, no recollection of that line. So the line is when Wanda, when our Scarlet Witch, our Wanda first dream hops into or dream walks into that version, 838's uh, Wanda, and the the kids are fighting, or they're they're fooling over, they're arguing, and one of the twins goes, "You know who I think is the greatest? The 2003 Tigers." Now, a literal inside baseball for all of you: the two worst baseball teams ever by wins and losses are the 1962 Mets, who only won 40 games, and the 2003 Tigers, who won 43. Little known fact about Sam Raimi. Um, the 62-year-old director from Detroit, he is a gigantic Detroit Tigers fan, which is why, add more context, why he's throwing a perfect game in for the love of the game at Yankee Stadium for the Tigers. Um, he also, apparently, in his free time, now he doesn't do many movies, watches the Detroit Tigers. And in this other dimension, the 2003 Tigers might be the greatest team of all time. <laughs> Um, I appreciate that, Sam Raimi. I also would create a movie where the Mets have just won all these World Series. The Knicks did get Steph Curry and a normal version of Katie and Kyrie in 2019. Um, next one is uh, Steve Jobs a mutant, or was Steve Jobs a mutant? Sure. Man, the costume choices on Professor X when he's walking to to go through that through through Wanda's subconscious to to find her is is it even him? I'm not even. I'm not kidding. Is it even his As body? In like, was that of, his body, and they superimposed it on onto I somebody else? I think they superimposed his head onto someone else doing that. Another version of Steve Jobs, maybe. Eight three eight Steve Jobs. Um, that's really all I got as far as the, the this section. The last question, um, I guess we kind of answered where all of this is going, but like the overall rankings of it all. I'm not going to ask you to rank 28 movies right now. I'm just going to give you an over under. I'm ready. I have a list. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm locked and loaded. But So what number does this fall for you? Uh, counting the Disney Plus shows. So I'm that not, would be 34 not, then, right? 34. It, it ranks 20th for me. 20th. That's not... T- okay, that's around where I would probably have it too. Top 18 is, is where I'd consider it. It's, this isn't like Thor the Dark World bad, you know? No, no, no. Yeah, I can understand. Again, I empathize with people whose expectations weren't met and then like people offended by the portrayal of Wanda. If this is like what they did to your girl, like, okay, like, yeah, you are 
I, I stand by your right to react a certain way. I just, it's fine. This is like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Didn't yeah. need to change everything. Had the potential because of the comic, cosmic uh, capabilities of the characters. But no, this is this is fine. This this isn't game changing, but I don't think all these movies necessarily need to be when recognizing, you know, expectations don't always need to be met, you know? Per- perfect poll because it's right next to Guardians 2 in my ranking. Uh-huh. There you go. How far down is Black Widow? Black Widow is 27th. Oh, wow. Is it the lowest movie? No, no, no. I, it's ahead of Ultron, Iron Man 2, Thor, Incredible Hulk, and Thor 2. Okay. Um, now rank the five movies that have come out in Phase 4. Uh, Shang-Chi knew, one knew this uh, was coming. Yeah. Quite, quite easily. Uh, no way home Two, multiverse of madness, three eternals Four, black widow, five swap Shang-Chi and Spider-Man. And we have the same, we have the same five. Um, I think the only other question, what, what's your, to- what's your, uh, Disney oh. plus TV show ranking. Wanda one, Loki two, Hawkeye three, moon Knight four. What if five and like almost off the board cap winter soldier or, or Falcon winter soldier? Uh, I have uh, I go Hawkeye, Wanda, Moon Knight, Loki, but those are 12th, 14th, 15th, and 16th on my overall list. They're the essentially the four, same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're coin flip them for me. They're they're all about the same quality. I like them. Huge gap. What if huge gap Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is terrible? Yeah, the the Moon Knight of it all. Oscar Isaac's an incredible actor. Like that was yes. my bigger takeaway. That episode five is up there for like so best, good. best of the shows that we've seen best single episodes. I, I, agree. I do feel some of the, the, does this matter or what are the stakes here when you add like the giant Godzilla, like monsters in the final episode and for a show called moon Knight, how very little moon Knight we saw, but I also expect that we'll get more because we always, get more with this. There's that word again, expectations. Last question, Oz. Um, would this change anything about your final review rankings so far? Nope. I went back and checked too. It wouldn't make my Raimi list. And uh, yeah, it'd be like seventh for me for Raimi. That's, that's probably what I'd have it too. Um, don't think there's another one where it applies. Danny Elfman scores. While the, <laughs> it's the fine. use, the it's use of the Danny Elfman scores with the, the musical note fight is amazing. It's and- awesome. Actually, yeah, we should take a minute on that. That is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. How, that's one of the best action scenes these things have ever done. That scene rocks. And it's creative to the point where it's not just punchy punchy or like two people standing across from each other waving their hands, you know? Here's my hot take. That's the second best action scene in the entire MCU. Oh, so here's my hotter take. It's not an action scene because of the it's the best implementation of visual effects in the MCU. Sure. That's where I'll go. As opposed to all the practical stunts these movies are doing. But like, again, with all of the visual effects that we get, that's an actual like it's coherent. The the back and forth of the Beethoven Bach that's going on. I I absolutely dug that. Um, And then like the the killer chasing the people scene down the hallway in the sewer. Listen, I'm talk, those those are the things that get me. The fear of the like, not even just the Wanda popping up out of nowhere inexplicably. It's the actual like the the quiet of it all, and the anticipation is what actually gets me. And that's that's it's, it's effective filmmaking, if you ask me. Do you think this one will age well? 
listen, we didn't talk about it. And it's a good thing you asked before we go. Um, if Wanda lives, like if, if this isn't the end of her story, which I'm assuming it isn't. There's already a report. They're doing a solo Wanda movie. Well, so then there you go. Like, so then what was, what was all this? You know, is she just like, does this going to, is it going to matter if like we technically see her have this arc and then die? If then that, that death means nothing, then what does it matter? You know, which well, you, they didn't, the they didn't show you a body. They showed Again, a collapsing like, building and the most powerful person in the world and a collapsing building. They're clearly not dead. Okay. So you collapse, have a, a building collapse on you, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to die? But you're not the I, most powerful. I, I don't, I'm not the, I don't you're have not the Scarlet X, X magic. So, uh, so then how is Captain Marvel in 838 dead? Which if not, then what are we doing all this for? You know, because well, we, we showed her get squished. We showed a, we showed a body. That's the difference. You, you so see a body. The body dead. is what is the, Come on, this is, this is okay. it's also, it's a horror movie. It's horror one-on-one. You don't see a body. Someone's not dead. Fair enough. It's a horror movie. You're funny. Um, I worry that it's going to feel pointless going forward that I'm going to look back and be like, Oh, that, that just continued the story. Similar to how I walked out of, so use the analogy, walked out of guardians too, being like, that was fun. Doesn't matter. You know, yeah, you know, it falls right in the tier with me. Perfect for what you're saying with iron man, three ant-man and the wasp stuff like that. Yeah. Guardians two of stuff that just doesn't really, doesn't really matter. Enjoy yeah. my two hours. Next, which this far into the MCU is why I'm why I'm a little worried. Now, now look, I the MCU has my I, I said it during our top 10. They have my trust that like they'll, they'll figure it out. They, they, they will go down a road, especially now implementing all these new characters and storylines that they got from the Fox merger that I trust them here. But um, yeah, I'm I am worried that. I just saw. So I will say this last Saturday or Friday night when I saw the movie for the third time walking out, I was like, I, I don't think I ever want to watch this movie again. I think I got every single thing I got out of this. There's going to there's not going to be any before Dr. Strange 3. Let me go back and refresh my memory. I think there will be other like we haven't talked about this, but I did go back and rewatch Spider-Man No Way Home. And what's become a habit of mine when I'm up late editing and I hit export on a video and it's like 45 minutes wait time. Is I just watched the final 45 minutes of No Way Home. So that movie has actually aged really well for me personally. I'm jealous. I I dig once the Tobies pop through the portal, it's like this is why I watch the imagination of movies, you know, like these moments are are what I come to the MCU for. Um yeah, coherent storytelling, maybe not necessarily, or, de- or coherent character development, maybe not necessarily. Um, having said that, I don't think outside of, especially if, if the, the Illuminati in this just are never coming back, you know, then I don't think I'm ever going to revisit this, which is a bummer, you know? I mean, I think not everyone, a bummer every- might be a strong word, but it's just like the, the reality of where this falls in the MCU, you know? I suspect when either Doctor Strange three or Wanda two or the school of the school of magic thing that they're going to end up doing with <laughs> Jacob Batalan, um, that all that when all that stuff comes to fruition, eventually something will make you toss this back on. By the way, so um, America Chavez is able to create portals. And like, which is canonical. Yeah. Right. right. 
I'm not even saying like whether she's able to or not. The fact that she can travel interdimensionally, right? From universe to universe. And by the end of the movie, because Dr. Strange says, because I believe in you, um, is able to open control her powers suddenly. And then you see her in school learning how to use a sling ring. Even more so, why can Jake Jacob battle on? Why can Ned do that just unprovoked in No Way Home? I, I won't dunk without on no the way school, home right now. The, without the camartage uh, summer camp. I, you know? I mean, it, it definitely has nothing to do with the fact that sometimes writing is is <laughs> not based on what makes sense, but based mm-hmm. on what the plot requires. Um, I think that he this is a you're a wizard, Harry sort of thing. And he's just like gifted and talented at magic. It's clear there's like there's like even in the MCU, leaving aside comic book stuff, there's like gradations of skill and who's good and who gets good quickly. And he may just be a, a natural. I hope he's a mutant. That's my take. I hope I think that's the explanation. He's a mutant. I mean, I'm not actually kidding. I'm, I'm certain that we're getting a, mm-hmm. a, a Harry Potter-esque show of Jacob Batalon learning magic from Wong. So that's something that we should be excited about. The other part is that apparently, and I'm, pretty, I'm sure you could confirm this, this movie was supposed to come out before, before Wanda and No Way Home. Yep. Yeah, so the it wasn't supposed to be Ned that uses the sling ring. It was supposed to be America Chavez in No Way Home. And then COVID moved everybody's schedule around. But Sony was like, well, our movie's fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll release it regularly. And Marvel worked around them knowing the stakes of what might happen. Um, you know, the, the one last thing I'll say, I'm very excited for Marvel to get past COVID because mm. it's clear that COVID has really fucked up the visuals on these movies. And I, I don't want to litigate it too much, but the, uh, I think no way home looks like shit. I think the visuals look like mm. shit. Um, I watched Dr. Strange two days before I watched multiverse of madness. And I was blown away by how much better the first uh, Dr. Strange looks. Oh, first one. Yeah. Worlds, worlds better. Even basic things like, the way the floors move in hallways when the stuff is ha- like the stuff is happening around them, like when he has the first fight with Mads Mikkelsen in the Sanctum Sectorum in New York, that looks infinitely better than when they do the exact same effect with Elizabeth Olsen here. And I, it's not that Sam Raimi is an incompetent director or anything like that. I actually think like the visual effects houses are just not doing their jobs as well in COVID, and maybe it's just harder to film, and maybe they're just not doing anything on location and it makes it harder from like a reference perspective for them to make the special effects look good. But I even think um, the tra- it's not fair to judge a movie by the trailer, but love like Ragnarok looks great and love and thunder looks like a dog. Also uh, black Panther is going to be borderline disaster considering all the shooting issues. I just want them to get away from fucking COVID and make movies normally again, so they can start to look better. I agree. And I think you echo this sentiment. Can't wait for all of us to get past yeah. COVID. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, in, in many in ways, like, shapes in form. like 2047, when we've all gotten immunity uh, or yeah. once we once America decides to help us, the wow, Freudian slip. Um, once America Chavez uh, decides to help us uh, go to a different universe where COVID never existed, hopefully. Um, Oz would like to plug before we get out of here. Come to theinventionofdreams.com. We have a lovely revamp. It looks much, much prettier now, like a grown-up site. So please, please come there, read and watch and listen and all that fun stuff you do. 
There you go. You can follow both of us on Twitter at the uh, at Oz on Movies and at Andrew J. Claudio underscore. If you dug this episode, head on over to iTunes, drop a five star rating and a review. Head on over to the Adventure of Dreams YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe to the video that covers all of this. And until next time, thank you for listening. Tune in, as always, for another final review. <laughs>